All right, so we're dealing with faith, and what faith contrasts with is the fact that we need to let go of the need for certainty. We live in a world that wants to know, know, know for sure. We want facts. We want certainty. Faith teaches us that it's okay to live without certainty. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll dig into what all this means. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, I pray that as we launch into living with more faith, that you would be the bestower of, great, of faith upon us. I pray, Father, that you increase all of our faith. And that we would be perfectly imperfect people who live by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's a striking statement in the passage we just read. You are saved. That's good news. You know what Paul said right before that? You're dead. And you have been like a rat in a cage doing whatever the test lab wants to do to you. In Paul's words, it's you're dead and Satan has been toying with you and you've been following all his commands. So what happens when you're saved, Paul says, is you're now from death, you're resurrected. You're alive and you're free to be you. Not who Satan tells you to be or the course of this world tells you to be. You're free and you're alive like never before. Saved. Beautiful word he says right there. He says that you are saved by grace. That means you don't have to be perfect enough to experience this savedness. It's a gift from God. God gives it to you. The other part that's often overlooked is that you're saved through faith. Your salvation is a gift, but how does it get to you? Paul says it's through faith. So faith here becomes our vehicle to enter into this resurrection living, this life. So that we can now walk into the, quote, good works it says that we're created for. But what I think he means there by good works isn't just helping old ladies cross the street, giving Ian the majority of the cake. That's not what good works are limited to. Good works, think about something that works good. If you're super excited to get an iPad or a new iPhone... And it doesn't work well. It's constantly crashing. It's slow to, the, to your finger's response. That doesn't work well. And that's frustrating, right? We want things that work well. So when he says that you're created for good works, he's talking about you're created to work well. You're saved by grace and faith is going to take you into this area where you're able to work to the maximum efficiency <laughs> as much as you can. That God is taking you into it. Yes, you're always going to be imperfect, but you're going to be perfect imperfect. Imperfectly who you are. 
you're going to work well. Yes, you're going to have glitches here and there because we're limited human beings, but you're going to work well. And faith is going to help us enter into that. So what we're going to talk about is perfectly imperfect people live by faith. Faith is one of the things that characterize them. So what is faith? What does it mean? That's what we're going to talk about. So I want to I start us off like this. What if faith was arithmetic? What if faith was math? How would it look? How would it operate? And this is the way I think the majority of us would do faith if it was math. We would do it like this. 1 plus 2 equals 3. Is that true? It's true. And when it comes to faith, we think that it means I agree with the certain things. The things that I know. You know, other example, like 3 times 3 equals 9. You're so smart. What's the you do? These are these are certainties, are they not? That that's that's provable. That's obvious. We know that those things are true. And I think that when you talk about faith as math, some people would think of it like this. Well, there are things that we know for certain and we can argue them with logic and with evidence. Creation. A lot of Christians want to talk about faith. They say we know that God created the world. That's a certainty. We know that Jesus rose from the dead. That's a certainty. We know that the Bible is inspired by God. That's a certainty. We know that Jesus is coming back to take us to heaven. That's a certainty. There are things that are certain in our faith, right? However, I think that some people would also do faith in a different style of math. How about this? You guys ever heard the one about when the shepherd leaves the 99 for the one? How does this make sense? You give up 99 of them for one? You leave them alone to pursue which one looks more important? Mathematically, 99 is more important than one. But, but Jesus says the one is important to him. How, how does that work? You guys have heard this one, right? The Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three unique people, one entity, one God. Three equals one? That is not mathematical. How does that work? <laughs> um, you've heard about the widow's mite, maybe, or the widow's penny. Yeah? Jesus watches this widow come to the temple. She drops two little copper pieces in. They equal to about a penny, is what scholars say. And then there's the other people coming in and blowing trumpets, and they're dropping in hordes of great treasures. And Jesus says that widow gave more than those who are giving thousands. A mite is more than thousands. How does that compute? What about this? You guys heard of this parable where Jesus hires uh, some people at the beginning of the day 
And then he, as the day goes on, it's towards, you know, one hour till the day's over. And he hires some people with one more hour left to work. And when they're all done, some people worked eight hours, some people worked one hour. They all get in line and the guy pays them all and guess how much he pays them. He pays them all the same exact amount. That in this parable Jesus tells, one hour of work is equivalent to one day of work. How does that compute? How about in the first, uh, Second Peter 3 where it says that a thousand years is the same as one day to God. How does that compute? You know how many days are in a thousand years? I don't. It's a lot. <laughs> and then here's my favorite. You have thousands upon thousands of sins plus one Savior... That's, that's Jesus. Plus one Jesus equals what? Zero sins. You're, you're forgiven. How does, how, how does that equal zero? So, if faith was put on a whiteboard like this as math, you would have two camps of people. Some would say, well, my faith is very reasoned out and everything makes sense. This is tightly bought. You know, this tightly formed box of, yep, every one plus two equals three, and poof, there it is. Certainty. I believe in the things that are certain. Others of, us, others of us would look at our faith and be like, I don't know. God is sometimes very mysterious. He leaves the 99 for the one. There's three that equal one. How does a might greater than thousands? How does, I, I don't know. So we have these two camps, certainty and mystery. When you think of your faith, where does it fall? Here's my question. Is God a math problem to be solved? Is God 1 plus 2 equals 3? Is God limited to our logic and our ability to explain and reason and make sense of everything? I would say that my God does not equal 1 plus 2. My God does things that are unique and out of the box and some things I can't explain, but I'm very thankful He does them that way. I'm thankful that hundreds of sins equal to nothing when you add Jesus in. So, faith. What do we do with this tension? Is it a certainty or is it a mystery? Perfectly in people live perfectly imperfect people live by faith. So let's talk about faith and let's come to the bottom of this. How does faith begin? There's there are three steps to faith. This is what it's like, okay? Faith begins when it conceives God. You know what I mean by conceives God? It pictures God. It has this sudden understanding that there can be a God. I think a God can exist. And a picture is formed about God. Now, initially, and you guys have all been here once before, right? If there, there has to be some sort of, you must have some sort of conception going on if you're even here. Um, there's some picture of God you have. Now that picture might not be perfect. In fact, it should be very imperfect. 
You don't know much about God yet. You've just simply conceived that he exists. And 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12 says this. It says that now we see as if in a mirror darkly. I think JC talked recently about how mirrors were kind of, you guys remember this? Mirrors weren't like what they are today. They were, they were made of brass or copper and you just polished them and they kind of reflected you, but they weren't crystal clear like ours are. And like you can see something there, but you can't see it perfectly. But Paul says that's how we see God now. It's like a reflection that's tarnished. But when he returns, we're going to see crystal clear. So faith conceives a picture of God, but it's not a perfect picture of God. Once you get this picture of God, you move into believing. From conceiving a picture of God to believing in God. Now, what do I mean by believing in God? I don't mean this. That I have everything figured out about God. I have absolute certainty in the things He wants me to do and the things that He's going to do in the world and everything that He is. That's, that's not what it means to believe in God. To believe means to make a choice... That I'm going to fit somewhere in here. The certainty and the mystery. This is what it means to believe. You have the certain stuff, okay? Things that are pretty clear to you. Jesus loves me. If that's all it is so far, that's great. Then you've got all this mystery stuff. To choose to believe is to say, here's where my faith lies. That's, that's belief. My faith is living in this tension between what I know for certain and what is very mysterious to me. There's an overlap. There's things I know, but there are things that I'm mystified by. And my faith is that place where I'm in this happy medium. That's, that's when your faith believes. It chooses... To live in between the certainty and the mystery. Okay? We're following. In a way, in a way is a good thing. (laughs) So, an example of this, to help clarify, is Abraham. God told Abraham, I want you to leave the city of Ur, move to a land I'm going to give to you and your descendants. I'm going to make you a great nation, they're going to have this land. Abraham says, great! So what is certain in this story? What is certain is that God spoke certainty. He spoke and said, I'm going to do this. But what's the mystery in this? Abraham doesn't know where the heck he's supposed to go. He doesn't know what this land looks like. Is it a heap of rubbish? Is it wonderful? When do I leave? How do I take off? What do I tell people? A lot of mystery, right? How about when God tells Abraham... Although you're almost 100 years old and Sarah is the same, and you guys are beyond having children, you've tried all your life, I'm going to give you a son through your wife, Sarah. Okay, so what's certain here? God said I'm going to have a son. What's the mystery? I can't physically produce children. Neither can my wife. We've tried forever. How is this going to work? God, do I need to teach you about biology here? (laughs) Yet, Abraham, in both of these instances, chooses to place his faith in that tension of, I know there's certain things here, but there's also mysterious things here. I'm going to go ahead and believe God in this. 
And then the climax of his life. What about when God tells him to offer up Isaac on the altar? Sacrifice him. What's certain? God told me to do this, and it's hard. That's certain. The mystery? God is telling me to kill the child he promised he would give me? I'm supposed to become a great nation. How is that going to work when my child's dead? See? But he places his faith in the midst of this certainty and this mystery. And he goes with it. You see, guys, we have this habit in our imperfections to want to know for certain how everything's going to work out. That way we can feel like we have some sort of control. But God just doesn't always let us run that way. And he says, if you guys let go of your need for certainty, you're going to feel freer, perfectly imperfect person. You don't need certainty. You need the ability to choose. But I'm going to be comfortable with what is certain and what is mysterious. So faith conceives a picture of God. It believes, meaning I'm going to make a choice to live in the tension of what's certain and mysterious. And then there's one last step. See, we haven't come far enough. Because what does James 2.19 tell us? tells us that even demons believe in God and tremble. So how do you move beyond the demonic? <laughs> how does your faith move beyond that of a demon's? It conceives a picture of God. It believes. It then does this. It receives from God. A faith that believes will also receive that which it believes in. This is a gift. You're close, Nick. It's a present. Whoa. <laughs> it's a present. Short. Okay. Now, let's go through the steps of faith here. Faith conceives a picture of God. Okay. So, you guys have all gotten to that point, right? We, You all see this? Or does anybody not see this? Don't be one of those guys that just pretends. <laughs> we all have gotten to the first step. We conceive that there is a gift here. I need a volunteer. Hannah. You need to stand right here, Hannah. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. So, Hannah, you conceive that there's a gift here? Yes. Okay. Do you believe that this really is a gift? Yes. Sure. Feel it. Shake it a little bit. Okay. Well. You sure? It, it could just be filled with paper or something. So, I don't know that because be. you can't see. Yeah. So, okay. here you are. You're... On one hand, you're trusting me, right? That uh -huh. I'm telling you there's a gift. Yep. There's some certainty. There's also a lot of mystery. What is this? Is it worth it? Is there really anything in there? Can I believe Brandon? Okay? okay. So, now what are you going to choose? You gonna I believe, believe you. Okay. So she believes me. <laughs> okay, Hannah. So you believe that this is a gift. You believe there's something in here worth your time. You believe that I'm giving it to you. 
What do you do? If you're giving it to me, I take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep going. And then open it, right? That would be necessary, yeah. Okay. Oh, you did a good job, Brittany. Oh it looks gosh. so nice. This is what she got it for. I'm sorry. They assume I wrapped it. Yeah. Well, you walked up with it. That's why I thought you did it. Ah. Just whatever. <laughs> Do you want me to, or you to, or... Does somebody have a pocket knife? That might be awesome. You did? Oh, yeah, I was going to say Nick always has his pocket knife. Whoa, well, watch the finger. Awesome. Ah, here you go. Funny. Mm. There's a little bit. I'll tell you about that later, but now it's not the same. Okay, so there's a gift in there. Good job, Hannah. You'll really enjoy that, by the way. Okay. You sit down. Okay, so. That's on the front of so, <laughs> so here's what just happened. We all conceived there's a gift. Hannah believed that there's something here to it. There's a little bit of mystery, but she made the choice to live in the certainty and the mystery. And then she moved beyond the demons when she opened the gift and received it. That's the difference. You can believe that there's a God. You can believe all the promises if you want. But if they are never transferred to your life and become a vehicle of motivation or living, your faith produces nothing. Real saving faith has to be received as Hannah received the present. It would make zero difference if she never received it. It's there, but what is that? Who cares that it's there? So let's do this. You know, I want to love Ian, but I'm having a hard time because he gossiped about me this week. What what is what does faith do here? God has love. I believe that, but if I never receive his love, I will never be able to love Ian. So if I love Ian, it's because my faith is receiving love from the Father. And we go down many of the things that we need. See, here's the deal. We're all imperfect people. But what faith does in receiving is that we have a perfect Heavenly Father who gives us the things that we lack and the things that we need. And they come to imperfect people through faith. Imperfect people who want to receive the things that they lack. And it's only imperfect people who would ever have faith to receive. If you think that you're good, you got it all together, you're never going to receive from God. We're in Ephesians. You look at Ephesians 1 verse 3. It says that Paul wants to bless God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. So listen, you're lacking confidence to talk to that person you know you need to. Every spiritual blessing is yours. 
what's hindering your desire to receive faith. James says, if you need wisdom, let him ask of God, but let him not doubt, let him ask in faith. Because the man who doubts is a double-minded man. In other words, the man who believes that God can give wisdom and chooses to receive it from his perfection to my imperfection, that man gets it from the Father. So, oh, I didn't plan too well for this. (laughs) So here we have faith. It's merging mystery and certainty. It's also merging two other spheres. It's merging God's perfection, yeah, up here, with (laughs) my imperfection. See what's going on? Faith is at the very center of all this. So, yeah, it all overlaps. Faith being in the middle. So, here's how we end. Perfectly imperfect people live by faith. You see that? It's this constant receiving from a father who has everything that we need and wants to take care of us. It's this constant recognition that we're not adequate, but we know one who is. And by faith, I'm going to trust him to give to me the things that I need. I'm going to look to him to supply it for me. I will not, that does not mean I'm going to be perfect. See, we're not reaching up to him. He's coming down to us. Hence, you're imperfect, but perfection comes alongside and works with it. Faith is that middle between perfection and imperfection. It's that God and us overlapping. So as we walk by faith, we become perfectly imperfect people. So maybe this is what math looks like according to faith. Maybe it's not numbers at all. Maybe if we add blessings, subtract sins, divide sorrows, multiply love, it will equal perfectly imperfect.